We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on everyday major sports, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. The Suns lost in the NBA Finals and Devin Booker was on the first thing smoking to the Tokyo Olympics. The Suns now faced the shortest offseason ever and were locked into the 29th pick in the NBA draft. We all debated on who they would pick and then... They picked nobody. The Suns traded the 29th pick and Javon Carter for Brooklyn Nets player Landry Shamit. It's the first competent backup shooting guard Devin Booker has ever had and they effectively bailed this podcast out from pretending we know anything about the draft. Free agency was next and even though re-signing their star point guard was priority number one, they also had one massive need and they filled it with a guy playing in the Olympics with their franchise player. JaVale McGee was signed to a one-year, $5 million deal to be a backup center for the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul asked for him, and he got him. Speaking of Chris Paul... Uh-oh! Boom! Chris Paul has made it official, re-signing with the Phoenix Suns, four years, $120 million. The point god returns potentially into his 40s, and the Suns are now dead set on running it back. And that included re-signing Abdul Nader to a two-year $4.2 million deal and Frank Kaminsky to another one-year minimum deal. Somehow the Suns even brought back a player from the dark days, former starting point guard for the playoff Knicks. Alfred Payton returns to back up the Suns' backup. The roster was basically set just in time for two Phoenix Suns players to win gold medals at the Olympics. And the ball, and Kevin Durant leads the United States to their fourth straight gold medal. Doubted and dismissed, Team USA would not be denied. And Greg Popovich leads them to gold here in Tokyo. The Western Conference is scrambling, but the Suns stood pat, confident in their returning core. The schedule is now announced, 
And for the first time in 11 seasons, the Phoenix Suns are playing on Christmas Day, this time against the Golden State Warriors. We are now in a waiting period before the season begins. Will the Suns make a trade? Will they extend their core guys? And now it's time for the 2021-2022 Timeline Podcast Phoenix Suns Season Preview. timeline of phoenix suns podcast sam the season is about to begin how are you doing i'm doing great it is uh unfortunately a gloomy night here uh in new york state it's very rainy but a uh, perfect night to record a podcast stay inside talk about the state of the phoenix suns as we officially uh officially do our preview episode and thank you as always uh for your intro because yeah. every year you cut the intro. I just want to be very clear to people. Um, Mike does all the work on the intro every single year. I've never contributed anything to that. So well, it was a particularly easy year because the Suns like kept the majority of their roster. I was telling you before we started recording that I think one year the the intro was eight minutes long. <laughs> like we had so many players left, so many things happened. Uh, and this year it was like two and a half minutes. Just recapping what happened this offseason uh, wasn't that much because it was like the offseason felt like it was two weeks long. <laughs> like it really just feels like we were just watching basketball uh, not that long ago. And now we're back into the swing of things with a game against the Denver Nuggets on ESPN Wednesday night. Remember when there was like one ESPN game a season? <laughs> it's bizarre to think back on that. Yeah, and who can honestly who can blame them for that? No, I kind of yeah. think back on that, and and I remember throwing a shit fit <laughs> at the time, <laughs> like being on Reddit and being like, "We deserve more than you know one or two national mm-hmm. TV games or whatever." But but now being on the other side of the coin, like the Suns have like thirty national TV games this year, and yeah, you do kind of look at the schedule and you're like, "Yeah, I mean, do we really want a team like Minnesota to have more than one or two? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's maybe a little hypocritical, but yeah. that's where we are. That's right." And, uh, yeah, it'll be fun to watch that game and, and see where the Denver Nuggets are at, too. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to cover the biggest questions facing the Suns this season. That's what we've done the last few years, and I think it's a good way to sort of get your mind right and really focus on the things that you need to focus on for this season. We talked a lot about this team in the last few weeks, a lot of extra episodes even in the last month or two. Uh, so I know we've covered a lot, but it, I think it's time to narrow our focus. And I think you and I both separately came up with the biggest questions facing the Suns this season, we'll just spitball them back and forth. If they overlap, they overlap. If not, that's mm-hmm. cool. Um, I'm going to let you start because I know what your first one is about. Uh, go ahead and go. Because you cheated. <laughs> you, asked me, you asked me beforehand. <laughs> um, here's, here's the first question. It's on everyone's mind. Will there be any off-court distractions yeah. this year, yeah. Mike, that prevent the Phoenix Suns from really locking in? in the way that we want them to, to mm-hmm. compete for a championship. And obviously when I talk about distractions, there is one above, uh, one potential distraction above all other distractions. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's the extension talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, the deadline's Monday. Uh, this pod should come out Saturday. So hopefully, you know, a, a good amount of you have a chance to listen before the deadline. If anything crazy happens, 
we'll be ready to record an emergency yeah. pod. But just, you know, so we don't want to spend too much time on it here right now. But Mike, what, how, how do you feel? Let's get a vibe check. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm super not confident in Robert Sarver at this point. I actually uh, put a poll out on Twitter recently and uh, 75% of people, I gave them two options. If you had to choose either DeAndre and signs a max or he goes to res- restricted free agency, 75% of people said that he'd sign a max uh, given those two choices only, right? There's other things that could happen. Uh, and I was kind of shocked that that many people are confident in Robert Sarver because I'm not. And um, I still think was, the best case scenario is both of these guys, because it's not just Aiden, is that mm-hmm. both of these guys sign an extension before the deadline on Monday. Absolutely. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't see that poll actually. Um, was that phrased as what you want to see happen or what you think is going to happen? Yeah, I said, out of given these two options, what do you think will happen? Okay. Out okay. of these two options. So, yeah. And, you know, wow. I was trying to limit it to see if people were more confident because to an extent, it could be between those options, right? If the Suns say either you sign this contract we're offering you or you go to restricted free agency and, and Aiton says, I'm not signing anything but a max, then it really is just those two choices. Either the Suns uh, kind of fall and give him those options or DeAndre Ayton blinks and then... He signs a, a contract for less than a max or something like that, but I, I don't think that that's necessarily going to be the case. Uh, so it could either be a max contract or or, or restricted free agency. And now I, I'll ask you this, Sam, and we won't spend too too long on this because by Monday night, I think, or I don't know when exactly the deadline is, but by Monday, mm-hmm. uh, people will know. How much of a distraction do you think it'll be if there's no contract signed? day one because part of me feels like at some point they're just gonna be like oh well we still have another year we're still gonna get contracts at the end of this year and they'll just focus on basketball i feel like it's more of a distraction right now than like say three weeks from now yeah it's definitely a great question I, i i agree once the basketball is actually being played i think a lot of people will start to forget about this i think we've also heard encouraging answers from both Aiden and and bridges bridges was just asked about it for the first time today in Mm -hmm. the media scrum and he said you know he echoed that he also wanted to be here um, honestly, if Mikhail doesn't sign a deal, and I have some thoughts about that too, but I don't even know if we should address them today. But if Mikhail doesn't sign a deal, I still have a lot of faith that he will approach the game professionally. I think an interesting sidebar question is like, so let's say the Suns, like, let's say the worst case, I don't know if this is a worst case scenario, but a bad scenario where the Suns really are low-balling Aiton. He says he's not going to sign anything other than a max. And so, okay, it's going to go to restricted free agency. And this legitimately does affect Aiton's engagement, his level of engagement in year four. Mm-hmm. Once we actually start to see that, let, let, I'm not saying this will happen. I'm just saying what if it does happen? Is public perception still going to be on DeAndre Aiton's side at that mm-hmm. point? I'm just kind of mm-hmm. curious what that actually starts to look like. If, you know, we're in December, January, the Suns are are in it's the playoff hunt. You know, maybe they're the second, the third seed. Right now, everyone's on DA's side. Right. And they have every right to be, you know, give, given the performance that he gave in the playoffs, given Sarver's reputation. Um, mm-hmm. I, but I, I just wonder if the leverage starts to increase for the Suns the further you drag this out. Mm-hmm. And if we actually start... Now, if Aiton comes out and he, you know, wants to prove them wrong based on the lowball offer, and he does exactly what he's told to do. Again, not that he should necessarily even have to do this, but if he approaches the game the right way, has another career season, builds on everything, uh, obviously he's going to get a million max offers in free agency that the Suns will have to sign uh, or, or match, and then 
we'll see how disgruntled he is. But I'm just wondering if if he goes the opposite direction and he really takes this as a slap in the face and it does become a distraction and his play does worsen, what does yeah, the public yeah. perception start to look like? I, I'd be really it's curious interesting. to see. I, I, what, I find, what I find interesting is that that's the question you asked because I thought you were going to say, do they look to trade him? No, I don't think they do. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I don't think they do. I yeah. I know. I mean, I I just it just felt like brought up the possibility. Yeah. Here's here's what I'll say. I don't know that the public perception will be on his side anymore. Um, I I really don't know at that point. But I wonder, like, I don't know that people just like the public as a whole pays enough attention to the to like the game to game basis on a game to game basis uh, to really get on him like that. As long as he kind of uh, does well in the biggest games. Pe- people will just recognize those biggest games. Like that's kind of what people do, and I think to an extent that's even what's happening right now. Uh, when we're talking about this conversation, we're not necessarily talking about his inconsistencies for the first few months of the season. Uh, people have glossed over that, and rightfully so, because he played his best basketball at the end of the year. Um, so you, you know, I'm not sure that people will like zero in on inconsistencies in December or January. As long yeah. as he continues to play well at the end of the season. And that's the probably end. the right approach. But I think we can definitely foresee the same conversations if there is no extension for either guy. Mm-hmm. Or even if it's just for Mikhail. Having to rehash these conversations on a weekly basis throughout yeah. this year. Yeah. Would take a toll on me, let 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 alone yeah. DeAndre Ayton's teammates and the coaching staff. Well, it'll be so, easy. It'll be easy for me. If they don't sign a deal, you and I are going to put a moratorium on talking about their contracts until the end of the year, and we're just not going to talk about it because that's there's fine. no reason to. That's fine with me, but it's still going to be really fucking annoying. Yeah. And uh, all the more reason to just get it done right now, man. Look, we're doing and, and, podcasts and, a week now, Sam. We're not going to talk about it on a week-to-week basis. We can't. I, I don't know. I, I'll try to hold you to it, but and I, I also just want to reiterate now because people really yeah. haven't been talking about the McHale side of it. I know. So we, sh- we should briefly touch on that before it's, it's kind really, of moving on. Yeah. And I I just brought it up recently. We were on the, uh, well, what's what's Mark's podcast called? We'll give him a plug. It's the the Premium Hoops. Premium Hoops podcast with Mark Schindler. Good, good friend of ours. And, um, you know, my expectation is I'm less worried about Mikhail Bridges because his agent hasn't played the media game. I know you tweeted about that today too as well. Um, I it just makes me feel like that's a good sign because that's their only play at this. Yeah, point. I thought I thought it was a really good point. That's why that's why I put it out there too. It just it just makes sense yeah. to me. Yeah, if you're not going to play that card, then that's probably a good sign that you're not. Because uh, like I, I think you said it on the podcast too. Like fans would be on his side too, as much as they are for DeAndre Ayton's. And uh, you know, fans, as far as yeah. fan pressure, like we'd be there. I'd be there. Yeah, I mean, well, for, first of all, shout out. We already have a few Suns fans. I'm sorry, I for, forget the name of the Twitter handle. We already have a few Suns fans who, as far as I know, are protesting outside of the Suns practice facility with signs that say, pay Aiden, pay Bridges. I've seen this on Reddit. <laughs> I didn't see that. That's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So there's there's a few of them. They may grow in size. Let's um, let's let's move on from this because it's going to okay. be over by Monday. <laughs> do you, okay. Do you want to uh, give me just real quick, do you want to give me just a prediction? What do you think happens by Monday? I I think that um I think that Mikael Bridges would sign. I'm not confident DeAndre Ayton will. Yeah, I and, kind of have a suspicion that they've made the agreement in secret. I don't know this, but I have a suspicion that they have a deal inked with Mikael that they don't want to announce until Monday because yeah. they're hoping that they can get Ayton signed and bring them both out in a press conference and do it all together and get all the goodwill. 
But if by Monday they don't have anything with Aiton, then you you still need to announce the bridge uh, the bridges deal if yeah. there is one. I just yeah. have a hunch, just a yeah. hunch. We'll see what happens. Robert Sarver told Raja Bell once, "I could extend you, but I'm not going to." Do you know why? Because I don't have to. That means Robert Sarver does not like to do things before he has to do them, and I think he's going to push it as far as he can with DeAndre and in order to uh, make him prove that he deserves. Yeah, amounts. what a useless, know. what a useless dick measuring contest this I thing know. has become. But yep. All right, All right, let's move on. Relevant to this, and I'm going to jump around because I think it's a nice segue here. Do they make a trade? Do the Suns make a trade? This is one of my biggest questions of this season. Now, this is not necessarily related to DeAndre and Mikel Bridges, although if they don't sign contracts and they're unhappy here, that could be a disaster that forces a trade, and that would be um, Suns fans coming for Robert Sarver on a daily basis, I think. And I'm going to hold you guys to that. We should. Uh, unrelated to that, though, that could be Thaddeus Young, for example. He's available now, potentially, based on, I don't know, speculation in the athletic. Uh, or something else that we're not even thinking about. Because what happened last year, nothing big, but then they all of a sudden had Torrey Craig, who ended up playing significant minutes in the playoffs. Uh, and I think this roster is pretty set, right? But injuries do happen, things do change. And as the season rolls along, there are specific things that are that come to light as far as holes in the roster or things that need to be fixed that could come up, uh, and then they could make a trade. Now, I think that making a trade at this point with this team, there's obvious guys. There's Jalen Smith. The, how is he going to make his way into the rotation? There's Darius Saric. I mean, valuable in the future, but at the very least, a contract right now. That means that if a team is looking to, to get rid of a guy that makes a little extra money, Darius Saric can be moved. Beyond that, if they trade anyone... Those are guys that we're all pretty attached to, maybe outside of Abdul Nader, but he can play his way into our hearts, I think. So it'll be, inter- it'll be <laughs> interesting to Agreed. see uh, if they end up doing something because this team is very good and they could potentially see a, a, a chance to improve that might actually piss fans off. What do you think? I think uh, it, it depends on the whole health question. I know we'll get into that. Assuming a decent slate of health, though, where you're not trying to plug in major holes, I really have seen very few GMs at the NBA level with as much conviction in their own beliefs as James Jones. <laughs> I mean, la- last year I felt like I was kind of begging for a trade at certain points, or or at least to to scan the buyout market. And it, you know, obviously they ended up with Tory Craig, turned into a fantastic acquisition. But yeah, if they make any moves. I would love Thad Young. We've talked about that to death, but I'm just tempted to say it's going to be another Tory Craig type acquisition if anything happens at all. Yeah. That would be great. I mean, by Tory Craig, I mean they're going to get a guy for a minimum contract and hope he he plays as well as Tory Craig. Yeah. That's not necessarily going to happen. You got to trust in your scouting, yada yada. Hope that you can you know take a guy in a bad system, put him into your system, he looks better. Maybe it happens again. Right. But yeah, giving up assets, making a a major move. Even moving like an Aiton or Bridges type for, you know, I know we've talked about just the possibility of yeah. something like that in the past. I just, I, I don't, I don't really see well, it right now. Let me tell now. you this. Let lie. me ask you this. Say they stumble out of the gate. Yeah. Well, there, there will be people calling for it. Yeah. I, I know I, you that's, will. I, I think that's one of the, yeah. I honestly think if they, if they don't look, <laughs> if they don't look good right out of the gate here, they should. It'll be Mike's like, trade of the day, not they, even Mike's trade of the week. They should look good right out of the gate. And if they stumble, and if we're 20, 25 games in and they're hovering around 500 or below 500, uh, you know, then there's reasons to make it. They have assets. Like, it's not like they don't have assets here. They do have assets. And if for some reason 
the chemistry's not there, which I don't believe will happen for the record for the people listening to this. I think they're going to be great right out of the gate, but that's the expectations that makes people uh, do things that maybe they wouldn't do in other circumstances. So assuming health, if they're not, if they stumble out of the gate and they don't look good 25 games in, if it's, if we're hovering around the end of December, early January, and it's just not working, then I think there's a chance. So I don't think that'll be the case, but you know, that's something to look out for. If that's, you know, it's if unfortunate because when they came out of the gate kind of stumbling last year, we, we excused it to an extent, but I still remember those yeah. early season. Those remember those early season losses against, I think there was one against the Pistons, one against mm-hmm. the back Wizards. Back against the Nuggets sucked. Yeah, back to back against the Nuggets definitely sucked. But at least like the Nuggets are a good team. Like there were some yeah. there were, there were some teams that objectively sucked that the Suns should not have lost yeah. in the first couple months. Yeah. Now that we have the elevated expectations, I can't wait for what the online discourse looks like cuz every team drops a few games like that a year. Yeah. The question is when's going to be the first time this season and how much do people freak out and how many trade offers do they throw out on Twitter in the yep. following 24 hours after that first game? Mm-hmm. We'll see. But I'll try not to work myself up into too much of a frenzy when the time comes. What do you got? What do you got? N- another question? Yeah. Let's move on. I'm debating. So this is going out of order. No, I'm going to save this one for later. All right. Uh, my next question. We kind of touched on this with um, it was either Mark or Dan. We, we possibly touched. We've talked, with, with, but we've talked a lot about the Suns this week. We've talked a lot about the Suns this week. But this one, will Chris Paul ah. do the unprecedented? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? I just think I, I almost just said no very loudly. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris Paul. I, I bit my tongue. As, as we all know, I think we came out of to, to contextualize for those who don't know, who are thinking, what the fuck is he talking about? I think we came out of the internal development series saying the key question to the season was, how do you handle the development? If you're Monty Williams, the rest of the coaching staff, um, how do you handle the development of all these younger guys and turn them into the best possible long-term pieces while also remaining as good as possible? Mm-hmm. The key to all that is Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. So is Chris Paul going to play 32 minutes a game mm-hmm. again? Mm-hmm. or is he maybe going to go down to 27 or 28? Mm-hmm. Is Chris Paul going to try to play every game, make yeah. sure they win absolutely as many games as possible? Yes, he is. Or is he going to... Is he gonna... <laughs> you have to at least let me set up the question. <laughs> or, or Mr. V. Hill, is he going to uh, rest the second night of back-to-backs? Yeah. You know? and, and, and above all, even more than any of those things, is Chris Paul going to dominate the half-court offense? Mm-hmm. You know, not in the sense that... Yeah. He yeah. takes a shot every time because we know right. he's an unselfish player. Right. But just in the fact that he initiates every play, yes. he keeps the offense running all the That's time. That's interesting. Or yeah. is he going to say, "Okay, Mikhail Bridges, you take the ball up this time. Right. Let's let's see what you got, kid." You know. So keep going, I think keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Literally, keep going, yeah. keep going. That is uh, definitely one of the key questions uh, to the season. What do you think? I think that that last part is actually kind of interesting because uh, I think there is an element of like Monty Williams talked about it. We brought it up on our last episode. I can't at this point. I can't, I'm already in the place where I can't remember if it was Patreon or main feed, but, um, they are tracking the dribbling and they're aware of the fact that the more dribbles that Chris Paul and Devin Booker have to perform, the more tired they are, the more worn out they are by the end of the game. So I think that he's gonna not, he's going to play as much as possible. I think he's going to play as many minutes as his body will allow. You know, obviously Monty has some control over that too, but I think there is a chance that he takes a few more plays off the ball 
and uh, and that could make a big difference. Now he has to be willing, of course, to shoot catch and shoot threes. Maybe throw <laughs> yeah. him that throw him that grenade with the with the uh, pin pulled with only two or three seconds on the shot clock, and he'll definitely pull or shoot it at that point. Uh, but beyond that, I think there's a chance of that. I just think um, I think we're gonna get a quote from Chris Paul at some point this season. If somebody asks him if he's going to rest, he's going to say something like, well, we're just going to have to blow teams out in the first three quarters so I could rest the fourth. Like, <laughs> I think that's going to be his goal here. He wants to play. And he there's literally been no quotes ever from him that make me think that he's going to rest. And, and you know, maybe if the Suns have an extremely good record three quarters of the way through the season, the last quarter he can take a few games off. But beyond that, I'd be surprised. By the way, you mentioned those catch-and-shoot threes. Chris Paul last season... Forty-seven percent on catch and shoot threes. Jesus. Not bad. Yeah, he took he took well, one per game. Yeah, and they're wide open, and the shot clocks can like at two or three because that's the only time he shoots them. You got also any shot, thoughts on that one? Also shot thirty-seven percent on pull-ups. By the way, that's pretty damn good for, for uh, yeah. off the dribble. But we know he's good at that. People um, don't no, think not, of him as a shooter, though. It is kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't. You know, it's runs a very egalitarian offense. Um, no, I think I think he's we can basically. <laughs> save that save that for the patreon <laughs> I, I think we can uh basically move on what's your what's your next question can the suns stay healthy i almost hate to bring this up because this is always a cop-out question but I'll, I'll allow you to have it because it's such a big narrative well what i don't like about it is there's no analysis <laughs> you know like <laughs> right, we, we just say i hope yeah. so and i don't hope know. so yeah. yeah what's next okay but here's yeah. what i'll say and I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna read this directly off of ESPN when they wrote about this. Suns players missed just 99 games due to injury last season. Uh, this is rest and non-COVID-19 illness uh, included, and that was the third lowest total in the league behind the Dallas Mavericks and the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, 99 games total for the Suns, Mavericks 77, Milwaukee Bucks 88. In particular, Phoenix's starting five was quote unquote unusually healthy. Mikael Bridges played all 72 games, of course. DeAndre and Devin Booker and Chris Paul missed a total of 10 games combined. And only the Chica- only the Chicago Bulls lost fewer wins above replacement players due to injuries last season. Mm-hmm. So not only were the Suns extremely healthy last season, their best players were extremely healthy last season, which, which makes a huge, huge, huge difference. Huge. So uh, regular season, and I think we should, we should focus on regular season. We'll get to the playoffs eventually. Uh, we're talking regular season right now. They were extremely healthy last season. And I actually, I'm going to ask this now. Maybe Dom, if you're listening, Dom. I would like somebody to plot out teams or players that drive the most and then games missed due to injury. Because part of me wonders if the fact that the Suns just don't get to the rim very often is related to the fact that they don't have a lot of injuries. Because that is kind of the most dangerous play, sort of running and jumping at the rim, crashing into guys, falling to the floor, stuff like that. I've never tried to look that up. I have to imagine that um, someone's researched that before. Yeah, it's yeah. A really make it's a, a plot. Really plot out drives to the rim per game because it's got to be on a per game basis, and then games missed due to injury. I'm just curious, maybe the last few years, last year or something like that, because I wonder if that has something to do with it. Like, I'm just looking for a reason the Suns were so healthy that was not just luck, but maybe it was just luck. What do you think? It often is just luck, and and we forget that there is huge uh, you think continuity is just a meme it's it's not a meme folks uh, there is a huge huge correlation arguably with this more than anything else between 
uh, the teams that have the most continuity get to log the most minutes with just their five best guys. And regular season winning percentage. And the Jazz were way up there last season. The Suns were way up there last season in terms of continuity. So it was no surprise that they ended up with the best record. In fact, going into the playoffs, I remember that's something that I plotted at one point just because I wanted to see that correlation. And one reason I was so scared of Brooklyn, I mean, you'd have to be an idiot not to be scared of Brooklyn uh, last year with, with their three superstars. But they were the team that most clearly defied that logic. Like they had by far, you know, I think Brooklyn still lost like 20 games last season or something, even in the shortened, uh, with the shortened schedule. But they were by far the team with the best record that where they had their three stars play together, like what, 10 times or something Mm -hmm. ridiculous. So, you know, there were, there was every reason to fear that team this Mm -hmm. year, as we know, shaping up like it's going to be a little bit different, which maybe makes things interesting. Um, But yeah, got got to stay healthy it's it's and you know what the guy who scares me the most because i think it's natural to talk about devin booker and chris paul but it's still ayton for me it Mm -hmm. it, the i like i was even talking about it today i like frank kaminsky a lot as a third string center uh jalen smith as a fourth string center is also like really good like the suns have depth at that position but it's just ayton brings so much more to the table than any other big Mm -hmm. on this roster the the idea of missing him like you know to to some freak accident that you know could keep him out for 20 or 25 games again or whatever i just don't know how well the suns would be able to weather that storm we were lucky that we didn't have to see it last year but that's definitely still like my nightmare scenario Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's fair i mean i think devin booker missing an extended period of time or chris paul missing an extended period of time would be a problem too as much as we joked about Alfred Payton recently <laughs> being really good. Uh, it's just not something that you want. Backup is obviously better than starting, but um, yeah, it is interesting with Devin Booker though. Like they do have a, the Suns have a backup shooting guard for the first time in a long time. And sure. uh, that's kind of nice to have that they have some sort of depth there. But beyond that, I think it gets a little, I don't know. I guess we're kind of lucky that Cameron Payne and Chris Paul can play together if it comes down to that because they played so many minutes together at the end of last season and in the playoffs that they clearly have some sort of chemistry there. Um, But yeah, we need these guys to stay healthy. And I think that this question and these stats and just how much of an outlier they are compared to some other teams that were, other than the Bucks, by the way, uh, that were there at the end of the season, I think that you could make the case to some players on the team to... Uh, prioritize their health and whether that be Devin Booker or Chris Paul wh- whatever whoever uh, you kind of need them to do that or maybe maybe even Mikel Bridges um, you can yeah, make the case that's... that he ran out of steam a little bit at the end of the year I'm not sure if that's true or not I'm sure they have data that they can they can track that but you, you got to wonder he ran out of steam a little bit in the in the playoffs he he had a killer stretch in the regular season but you know what I'm thinking about your point again and how often, how many times on this pod have I gotten after McHale for not getting to the rim enough for stopping short, taking that little mid-range jumper, and yet here he is, an Ironman who's played every game since middle yeah. school. You know, there is a reason for that. Maybe if he tried to dunk it over everyone's heads all the time, he would have missed 50 games in the NBA by now. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. just it's tough to balance that. Mm-hmm. You weren't, um, you talked about DeAndre Ayton missing time. Uh, you weren't impressed with the insane a JaVale McGee per 36 numbers his per 36 his you, you know what's funny who was it was it Nick Anderson uh who said that the player that most reminded him of Shaq <laughs> yeah. is yeah. DeAndre Ayton which by the way very funny and ridiculous unfair when I to saw, both those guys when I saw <laughs> unfair when to I, Ayton, unfair to Shaq 
So like 15 minutes later, I saw it, Kellen tweet out JaVale's per 36 <laughs> numbers uh, in the preseason, yeah. which was like 29 points, 12 rebounds, six blocks, you know, or something ridiculous. And I was like, this is the real modern day Shaq. This is because those are actually Orlando or, or Lakers Shaq numbers. He's not going to keep it up. And, you know, the issue of uh, I've always had with JaVale is like, OK, can he not pick up five fouls by the time he's been on the floor for 15 minutes? So like that's that's the big thing. I wonder what were the, uh, I'm going to look it up. What were his uh, per 36 stats for for fouls? Did you, did you happen to see that? <laughs> I, did, I did look it up. <laughs> I didn't find that either. Uh, let me see if I can do it. Just one second. I want to I know before we move on from this one. Uh, and that was my question, right? So you can prepare uh, your okay. next one there. Let's see. Per 36 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's not coming up. I apologize. I'm on the wrong year. Uh, <laughs> preseason per 36 minutes. JaVale McGee. I'm going to guess fouls. Six. You're going to guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. Player fouls. 5.8. There we go. That's so not ter- can stay it's not, in. Technically. It's not terrible. <laughs> yeah. Coaches get weird he about it though. Out every, every like three out of every four games. Basically. You know, you know, coaches <laughs> get weird about it where it's like, you know, you pick up your third foul in the second quarter and you're done. Yeah. Envision Javale's starting. There's no way he doesn't not do that. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I he's think doing it's funny that. He does a, the frustration. I guess I'm going to call those frustration fouls, uh, Jokic fouls now. Uh, oh wow. He, he did it at the worst time. Uh, but like if he if he misses at the rim and another player gets the ball, he just swipes at them immediately. And like that's the type of thing that you'd have to clean up if you have to start. Like if eight and misses five games, you can't mm-hmm. just swipe at a guy because you're mad that you missed a layup. Just just run back to the other side of the floor and and, and right. play defense. You'll be fine. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, you got another one? Yeah, my next question, it kind of stems from yours. So your question was, can the Suns stay healthy? This next question is, um, can Jamal Murray stay healthy? No, I'm kidding. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's actually different. It's um, okay, okay. I have a feeling, I've, there's no way you ha- didn't cover this in some capacity as well. So mm-hmm. I have a feeling this will be overlap. Can the Suns find that third consistent score? Ah, yes. We all, we, we've been talking about it. Let's spend some it. time on this because I, okay. I wrote who steps up. Because I'm putting right. it on, I'm putting it on the players at this point, uh, because so many people are going to want to put it on to Monty, and it's it's on the players. But yes, uh, I break, hope break Monty, it down. What do you think? I hope Monty doesn't have to step up and be that third scorer. Man, yeah. he's a great coach. But <laughs> I don't, did you see the highlights for his 50th birthday that he had that like snatch block and like some dunks? <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. That was great. Yeah. 
Anyway, he what could, do you think? Break it, break it give down. you a little bit. Well, you you know what I think uh, is is I think it's gonna be Mikhail Bridges. Um, I think the way that the Suns have used him in sets and preseason has been really interesting. Unfortunately, we didn't see as much of that in that Portland game as we did in the Lakers game before kind of Devin Booker returned to the lineup. But I think, yeah, all signs indicate that Mikhail Bridges is going to be handling some pick and rolls this year, and I'm really, really excited to see that. I also, for the record, think uh, DeAndre Ayton's a really good candidate for his scoring load to increase this season, um, just based on based on a bunch of little things, uh, really. I don't think he's going to average only 14 points per game again, but I don't necessarily see a huge increase coming for him either. I just, I'm not really sure that the Suns are going to use him in a different way. I look at this question, and, and for me, the answer in my mind is pretty clearly Mikhail Bridges, but do you agree? Uh, I think I do, but can, yeah. Why, let me just ask you this before we just start talking about the players. Can we just talk about why that's important? Why do you think it's important that somebody steps up and becomes that third scoring option? Because like the Suns last season, it was technically DeAndre Ayton. And the ball just moved around a lot. Different guys found it. Uh, different guys were able to finish. Why Why do you think it's important that somebody steps up and becomes that third option for this team? So self-creation is the thing that has the highest premium in the NBA by far. People talk about defense is important. Shooting is important. Uh, playmaking is important. All of these things are important skills in a vacuum, but if you look at the guys who get paid the highest, it's the guys who can create for themselves in difficult situations late in the fourth quarter in clutch situations. So you you can literally never have too many of these types of guys as long as they play in an unselfish system to benefit each mm-hmm. other. And if you look at the skills that Miguel has, the, the foundation that he already has, we know he's such an unselfish player. So mm-hmm. it's it's you don't have to worry about him fitting in. Like, like you know, it's not going to be like... Uh, an Andrew Wiggins situation or something right where he's kind of like taking the ball out of your real star players hands when you don't want him to, you know that he can fit into the scheme and take smart shots. And um, at the same time, you're trying to embolden him to have confidence in himself uh, within freelance situations. So that's really Mm -hmm. what it is, but it's also uh, injury insurance at the end of the day. What happens? Yeah. I mean, that's huge. What, What if you go into the playoffs and Chris Paul is, you know, uh, playing with one shoulder again, playing with what one hamstring again. What if you're in the again. NBA Finals and Chris Paul has a hurt hand and Devin Booker has a hurt hamstring? Because right. that just happened. And yep. then you need a third guy that's capable of doing that. And, and you you're know not what? throwing him into the fire too early because he's done it all season. And you know what? To that point, what if the Milwaukee Bucks had their reigning MVP, Giannis, playing with one knee and so they had games where it was Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday who carried exactly. the offensive burden. It ha- that literally happened for them. They had the third yeah. guy in Holiday. Now, granted, much of Holiday's value comes from his defense. We can say the same thing for McHale. He just yeah. gave you just enough offense for it to be all worth it as, as kind of a complete package deal. And, and yeah, they, they found that third score at just the right time. The Suns need a similar thing. You know, uh, you brought up DeAndre and how you, his scoring load could go up for the Suns this season. And I was just sort of thinking about this as a whole and thinking about how it felt like there was a certain point of the season where DeAndre Ayton clicked and everything worked really well. Now, admittedly, that was partially on the defensive end, but I think to an extent, like offensively, he just figured out how to play with Chris Paul too and and on Chris Paul as well, figuring out how to play with DeAndre Ayton. I looked up his stats. I just looked up his splits as you were talking. Uh pre-All-Star and post-All-Star. Listen to this. Kind of crazy. Pre-All-Star, DeAndre Ayton scored 14.5 points per game. Post-All-Star, DeAndre Ayton scored 
14.4 points per game. Almost exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure there would be a bigger difference. Here's where the bigger difference well, comes from. Uh, 10.5 yeah, field go. goal attempts, 10.5 field goal attempts, pre-All-Star 9.4, post-All-Star. To be able to score exactly the same number of points on one full less, more than one full less field yeah. goal attempts per game is is massive. Does and that's the difference the, between 59% field goal percentage and 66%. There you go. Yeah. It's huge. Well, and I, I remember I remember at one point last season I also posted the um the shot chart. And you saw mm-hmm. you saw a lot of those like 18-foot elbow yeah. jumpers in the first half of the season and barely any in the second half. Yeah. Yeah, it was well 0.5 three-point attempts per game pre-All-Star. <laughs> that's a good point too. 0.1 post all-star so right you know what he's he's taking them again in preseason and i don't mind he did hit one if he's gonna take any it's preseason time to do it i think (laughs) uh it's it's definitely the time to do it because you gotta you gotta prove that it's uh game ready not just practice ready um the the free throw attempts do you want to guess if those went up or stayed the same or went down they stayed the same. Exactly the same. 2.5 free throw attempts per game. I was just kind of interested because I thought for sure I could make the case that it could be DeAndre and understanding the offense a little better. And there is a case to be made there. It's the efficiency case. Uh, because I think for him, uh, it's difficult because until he can find ways to catch the ball further away from the basket and create for himself, it just it's a little harder. He has to count on people giving him the ball near the rim. Uh, but I do think he found ways to make himself more available near the rim. He found smarter times to cut that made the passing lanes easier on guys like Cameron Payne, Chris Paul, or Devin Booker, and those two things could lead to him scoring more. Um, And for Mikel Bridges, it's a whole different conversation. For him, it's about what he can do after a pump fake. It's about what he can do after that first dribble, and if he can start to create for himself from there, uh, it's going to be him too. And uh, I think it's a, a really great scenario that the Suns have two guys that we can talk up, talk about as the potential to to take that leap. And I really hope, as we open this podcast with, that there's no distraction coming into that. Maybe the Suns view DeAndre playing for that max contract one more year as a good thing as far as when they ask him to do things, there's more of a motivation to do that. Um, I hope that's not the case. Uh, but maybe that is something that they actually view as as one of their options here. It could be either one of those guys. I think you're right. If I had to bet, I'd probably choose Mikel Bridges too, uh, just because of the way the Suns' offense works and the way that those guys individually play offense. Um, what do you think would be better for the Suns? Do you think there's a case to be made that it would uh, be better if it was DeAndre Ayton? Better? I don't know. I th- I think the way the Suns' offense currently works, we've seen them running the same sets in a way uh, with between Mikhail Bridges and Devin Booker in a way that's kind of interchangeable. I also think Mikhail Bridges is a really uh, just unselfish player. Like, even if you give him more pick-and-roll touches, his shot attempts will go up, but also he's going to get more assists. Like, giving Mikhail Bridges more touches could benefit DeAndre Ayton, too. Yeah. I think there's I think there's definitely a case. that Those are two guys who have had great chemistry in the past. So, I, know I, th- I think, yeah. I'm sort of my last two. I'm gonna wrap them up here because wait, I also wait, real said quick, new real steps quick. up. I'm gonna stay quick. on this. I'm gonna stay on this. Okay. Because my other question is DeAndre Ayton related. It's what does DeAndre Ayton become? So you kind of teed me up there. So I just want to wrap it up into this. Well, I yep, want to ask did. you though. Like, say it's say it's better that DeAndre Ayton becomes that guy because some people truly believe this that it, that it would be better 
if it were Aiden, then McKenna. Well, yeah, it, it would be great. It, it really just depends on what he adds. That's exactly why I wanted to bring this up. What mm-hmm. do you think it is that he would need to add to his game for him to make it better than what Mikel Bridges currently does now? Mikel Bridges is extremely efficient as well. Uh, both of these guys are. So, I'll, so what do you think it would need to be? I know we've talked about this in our internal development conversation. We've talked about this a plenty. I'll, I'll frame it to you uh, in the form of a multiple choice question. Okay. Um, f- fill in the prompt. Mm-hmm. Sam would like DeAndre Ayton to take X number of dribbles. Option A, zero dribbles. <laughs> Option B, one dribble. Option mm-hmm. C, two dribbles. Option D, three dribbles. Mike. Yeah. You're on the clock. I mean, it's it's got to be one because of what we've talked about. But that means him catching the ball and facing up from what? 15 feet away? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you... He can do it. <laughs> yeah. He can do he it. Can. We're but talking the, the, We're talking about an offense. So, okay. When we talk about this, here the reason I say this, for those who maybe have didn't listen to the internal development in our uh, series and are kind of only checking in with us now, that's fine. I know you're out there. You know, we're talking about the concept of Aiton really becoming a short roll finisher, Amari style. Not necessarily with the flair of Amari. He could still be a finesse finisher, but it's just about having the confidence to catch it out there, put the ball on the floor, take one dribble and finish. The reason I talk about that so much is because you look at how the Suns offense works and the opportunities are already there. Just watch Aiton move in the offense. He can take those by force. Dominate the game by force, if you will. I didn't even mean to bring up that with word. With force, yeah. Dominate the game with force, sorry. But there there it is. Whereas these other things, you could add more post-ups to his game, but mm-hmm. it would look kind of awkward with, with the other stuff that the Suns are trying to do. He could shoot and, and more And I think threes. it would be a little... He'd have to become a really great passer out of the post, which which might be possible, because I think... Might be possible. Yeah. But, 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 but you'd have to, because you'd have to mix in a lot of those, and that means that the double's going to come quite often if it becomes effective, and he's got to be good yeah. at that. What I'm saying is that there are two sides to this coin. On the one hand, it's really tough to take a guy who kind of has never had this aggressive mindset and say, well, start being aggressive. It's it's just tough to build confidence in, in let me, people like let me that. Ask it you does, this too, it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. It's clearly the dribble. You're four for DeAndre and you're four. He clearly thinks he's capable of more. There are people who yeah, he agree does. with that he's capable of more. If he does not develop that one dribble, are we giving up on it? Is, um, is it possible? Because we haven't seen it, Sam. We haven't seen it. He hasn't no, done it No, I yet. know. That's hey, a long saw, time in the NBA without being able to dribble once. We're, just, we we're not the, asking hey, for a Relax. Lot hey, hey. <laughs> I, know, I know. I've said the same in the past, but I also saw that poster dunk on Michael Porter Jr. in the playoffs. He's done mm-hmm. it once or twice. Um, and, and Everyone's those done the, it once or twice. We can, no, we can find those, JaVale doing that. We can find lots of players doing it no, once No, you twice. don't understand. You don't understand. JaVale is a different breed. He's yeah. a different type of guy. Right. JaVale is, is uber... I mean, that's kind Aiden, of my point. That's Aiden kind of is my point. So much, Aiden is so much talent and so much skill packed into one body without the confidence. JaVale is the opposite of all that. Not 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 that he's an untalented player, but you know what I mean? Like JaVale has entirely well, I too mean, much confidence for what okay. he's capable of. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a completely different situation. He doesn't have the skills that DeAndre Ayton has. I think you're 100% right about that. He does have different skills that he's very good at. Yeah, he does. Uh, he's I mean, he's a great shot blocker. The bag is deeper in some ways for DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, it absolutely should be. He, he so has, what if he he I has mean, a better natural foundation to build on as well. I just, I think that 
are one we, of the one of the things this year yeah is that this is the highest pressure year for DeAndre and yet that's before the contract is signed that's you know what I mean like if it's not signed it, it becomes even higher pressure for him there there is an element to this where it's year four number one overall pick you got to show some offensive development there hasn't been a lot I'll be honest there hasn't been a lot the things that he's good at last year he was good at his year first year uh, there, there just hasn't been a ton that he's well, developed except, offensively. Uh, yeah, you're talking about offense, yeah. Yeah, defensively make, make sure. is a whole different conversation because yeah. he's become one of the best his, defensive players in the NBA. But yeah, his value skyrocketed there. When yeah. he talks about, when he goes to the media on media day and says that he did what you asked him to do last year, now he wants to do more. He himself is putting that pressure on him. And I think we have to acknowledge that that pressure now exists. We're in year four. I think that there's, to an extent, if he cannot take that one dribble a few times a game, at least, that's kind of a bad thing for his development. We're not seeing enough positive, uh, like, actual progression there. Yeah. And we need to see it this year. I Yeah, I'm inclined to And agree. he's putting that pressure on himself. I'm not the only one doing this. No, you're right. I, I think it, that really is the, the distinction there, that it's this isn't coming out of nowhere. This is DeAndre saying he wants to play that role. Well, okay, if you're going to say that, you you have to put you have to prove it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's totally yeah. fair. And you know that's why I worded the question is who steps up because I think there is a similar there's a similar type of pressure on Mikael Bridges. But I think right. the difference is the the pressure from Mikael Bridges like now it's coming from Monty Williams. It's coming from Chris Paul, uh, which is a, a specific kind of pressure too. Um, but you know what? That I think there is DeAndre and for the rest of his career will carry the weight of being the number one overall pick, whether or not. All of you listening think it's fair that people put that pressure on him does not matter because it now exists and it's factored into the way people talk about his contract. They're not talking about DeAndre Ayton should get a max contract just based off what he done. They're also saying there hasn't been a, 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 a number one overall pick that hasn't signed this max extension since who knows when. It, you know, this is going to be part of his, his career for a long time. Anthony Bennett or whoever. Mm-hmm. The, the yeah. pressure on him. Is it's going to be hot this year, and I think that uh, I think he deserves it, and I think it's up to him to step up, just like it is for the rest of the players on the team. I'm just thinking about those comments that he made again, and it's like you know he's so good at defense at this point, but it's like has Rudy Gobert ever gone out to the media and been like, oh yeah, I could average eight assists a game if I wanted to. I just you know they have me confined <laughs> yeah. to this big man role. Maybe you know? he has. <laughs> to be like, honest, I don't, I don't know. know. I I haven't followed Rudy Gobert's career well enough to know, I guess, but I suspect he hasn't. Which is why it's the fact that Aiton is saying that sort of stuff. There is an element of you're doing this to yourself, dude. Would you would <laughs> you, you rather he says, "I'm going to win Defensive Player of the Year this year"? Just watch or something like that. Like that's that's probably where you would rather like you'd rather. He I don't know if it, I, right? I mean no. I, I I like him putting pressure on himself to improve offensively because that gives the Suns the best ceiling long term. If he, however, if he came out and said, "Oh, I'm going to win def- Defensive Player of the Year this year." I would believe him like that. That's that's something that I think is very feasible and, and could happen mm-hmm. very soon. Honestly, uh, Mike, I um, am not a betting man. Online sports betting is not even legal in, in New York State uh, yet. Mm-hmm. I know it is. Wink. In yeah. Arizona. <laughs> wink, wink. I know. I know you guys get bombarded with stuff all the time, including from us. But <laughs> it's, uh, you know, <laughs> hey, it just it just happens if you live in the state of Arizona right now. Yeah. But anyway, my point is I've looked up. Some of these odds for Defensive Player of the Year. DeAndre Ayton is very underrated. Very underrated. I'm talking about, I don't remember the exact odds, but I'm talking about he'll be somewhere buried down like 15th 
and a list of who are the most likely candidates for Defensive Player of the Year. He'll be behind guys like Matisse Thibel, who's probably going to play 20 minutes a game. And it's like, Gobert is always first, as he is. Mm-hmm. But I do think this might be the year of voter fatigue. Gobert's won Utah it so many times. year that I've been, I've been teasing. It's a Utah disaster I think, year. Just watch. Just watch. <laughs> Just watch. Just, I think Utah's going to be good. Uh, but I think they've they've been good for so long, and Gobert has won that award so many times without them doing anything in the playoffs that we're going to start to see a, a, a sort of counterbalance against him in the voting process. And who are people going to pivot to when they're voting for Defensive Player of the Year? They're going to pivot to another big man because big men mm-hmm. usually win it unless there's mm-hmm. a wing player who goes crazy, which happens sometimes, Kawhi, Draymond, whatever. But I think they're going to go to another big man on one of the best teams in the NBA, one of the best five or six teams in the NBA, the Suns have a very good chance of being that. People are going to look at Aiton as the defensive anchor. I- I'm just saying I'd look at those odds. I think mm-hmm. they're not, not half bad. Yeah, This is not financial advice. This is not financial advice. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, I, I, I think I can spot a good one when I see one. And, yeah, if he went out and said, oh, I'm going to be defensive player of the year, yeah, I'd totally believe I'm him. the big man in the paint. Nobody can challenge me. You know, those types of things I think would have literally affect the line like the, that that voting uh, line would change or that betting line would change. Uh, so, yeah. Um, all right. That's my four. Do you have another one? Your last yeah, one, I do. I guess, I, right? I guess this is my last one. And I'm glad I'm bringing up it up last because it's not actually Suns related, but it is kind of related to what you were talking about with the trade thing aspect earlier because it's all about the momentum there are things you can control and then there are things you can't control and so my question here is simply how is the rest of the western conference going to shake out what are going to be the twists and turns that we see this whole lakers experiment do we think that's actually going to work um is Mm. Kawhi leonard going to be fully healthy and ready to go by the playoffs Mm -hmm. and should that Mm -hmm. scare the shit out of us should jamal murray's return scare the shit out of us uh, you know, I, there, there's a million things you could talk about within the scope of this conference, but all of those, depending on how it shakes out, definitely puts additional pressure on James Jones, where maybe he feels compelled to yeah. make a move at some point, or maybe he's already factored all of that into his calculations before the season. And, and like I said, he's just a man of very strong conviction. But mm-hmm. what do you think? I mean, I think the thing that scares me the most out of what you just said is Kawhi Leonard being fully healthy. Kawhi Leonard is the type to take as long as he needs for injuries which I think every NBA player should because if you don't, you're putting yourself at risk for further injuries as we've seen with Kevin Durant or whoever you want to mention. But that's probably the team that scares me the most. It's still, it remains the one of the worst matchups for the Suns. I do think they're, I'm excited to see the Suns this year play a team that played uh, that level of switch happy defense against them. Mm. Because I think that they saw what happened in the playoffs, and to an, to an, uh, an extreme way, uh, Devin Booker is the one that killed it. It wasn't until his nose was broken that it became more of a problem. And I think Patrick Beverly is off that team now, so maybe that matchup <laughs> is not as bad as it was. But you know what? Yeah. If they start putting Kawhi Leonard on him, that's a different story. Like that's totally a completely different. different story. It's totally different. And and let me just tell you what scares me. Five thirty eight came out with their projections based on their Raptor advanced stat. So yeah. wh- where yeah. they think the standings are going to fall. They have the Suns in the second seed, um, and that they actually so they have like a team strength rating of like mm-hmm. everyone at full strength. Who's the most talented team? Which is slightly different. They actually have the Suns as the most talented team in the Western Conference. Um, mm. But they have them with the second best record, I think, due right. to some some strength of schedule stuff. So they actually have the Jazz ahead of us. Anyway, yeah. the point is, so they do that, and then a few columns down, they have 
percent chance to win the NBA Finals, percent right. chance to make the playoffs. Right. They have the Suns in the second seed. Right. They have the Clippers in the seventh seed. So a first round, uh, it, depending on how the play-in shakes out, a yeah. first round matchup not even the make Clippers. The, yeah, they might not even make the playoffs. But then they have, based on their projection, which just says Kawhi is going to be back for the playoffs, Right. they have the Clippers as the most likely team to make the finals in the Western Conference by very yeah. little. It's by it's by like one or two percent. It'll be like clip I don't have it in front of me. Clippers twenty yeah. percent, Suns, you know, nineteen percent, Jazz eighteen percent, something like that. But my point is the Suns could be facing their toughest competition in the first round, which yeah. w- which would suck. It's just you know, I looked at that and I was like, Well, that right off the bat is a scenario that I hate. Well, I think that's actually accurate too, (laughs) to be honest. Uh, Not necessarily the seventh seed. I think, I don't know. A lot of it depends on like Reggie Jackson and how good Reggie Jackson is. And for the Clippers, by the way, their reliance on Eric Bledsoe because not not a floor spacer. And also it's kind of interesting because if, if they're really working off of the last year's stats for the Clippers, the Clippers had a historic season shooting wise. That's not an exaggeration. It was one of the best shooting seasons of any team of all time. They were, yeah. I, I think it was the best corner shooting team ever. Uh, that's what I was about to say. They were the best corner three-point shooting team ever. Yeah. I, I mean, you're a Clippers fan, so yeah, <laughs> it helps that you know those stats right off the top of your Of course, of, your head. of course. I can recall <laughs> them so, so easily. <laughs> but Me yes. and my, you know, I speaking of which, we got to wrap this up. I got to go record my other, my Clippers <laughs> podcast with Farbad. So. Oh, Jesus. Uh, here's the thing. <laughs> Can they can they rely on that historic shooting? Uh, no, they just traded for Eric Bledsoe. That's not going to happen now. Like that's not going to happen. We've seen what happens when people when teams rely on. We've been there. You can't really rely on him to have that kind of level shooting. So uh, if the stats are sort of factoring in expectations based on last year, I, it, it's hard to say that that's even going to be the case. Like if that just goes down a little bit, that's going to be a dramatic difference for them. Uh, for one. And, and but still, the the main difference is is that if if you haven't looked at this, if you're looking at playoff performances, Kawhi is one of the best playoff players ever, just based on statistical analysis. So if he ends up in in the playoffs against the Suns, that's a different beast. That's different than anything they ran into except for Giannis, and and that would be very difficult for the Suns. And I hope that does not happen in the first round. Um, but in general, I think that is one of the biggest challenges for the Suns because that's a team with two legitimate star players, one MVP-level player in Kawhi, and a really good team of role players around them that are capable of of picking up the slack. So that's probably the scariest thing for them. The Lakers are kind of interesting. A disastrous preseason for them. They didn't win a single game, and they looked like the Three Stooges, essentially, out there playing <laughs> basketball. It was it was, it was, was bad. It hey, LeBron, good. Le- LeBron was good uh, in their last game against the Kings. I mean, LeBron is good. Also, can we just stop pretending like Anthony Davis is the best player on that team? I'm so tired of reading seen, people say that. I have not seen anyone say that as it's of entirely it's entirely Lakers media based because it's and weird. it comes from the team, right? Because the team wants to empower Anthony Davis into believing he's the best player on the team. So LeBron are, th- are these the same people off. who who try to act like Anthony Davis versus Giannis is still a debate? <laughs> it hasn't been a debate for like three years. Give Anthony Davis Giannis's team is, is what they say, right? Uh, yeah, no, I don't know if this is the same people, but the point is LeBron is better than Anthony Davis, and I feel weird that I even have to mention that, uh, but it's very obvious, I think. Uh, but I, I, that team is kind of interesting, and here's, here's what I'll say. They looked bad. I'm not going to 
count that as them necessarily being bad. I'm not even worried about what they are in the regular season. They just have to win enough games on the backs of Anthony Davis and LeBron to make the playoffs. What they are in the playoffs is what I'm worried about. Whether that be uh, they make moves in the regular season, they're clearly a team that players want to play for, uh, and they find the right pieces to fit around the guys to make it work, or even just a few lineups, right? It only has to be a few lineups that work for that team in order for them to be a beast in the playoffs. So I'm not going to count them out yet, but I am interested to see what they're going to look like at the end of the season, whether that be personnel changes or or changes based on scheme. Um, the Nuggets, I, you didn't really bring up the Nuggets there. They're really um, good. No, I, really for the good. record, I, for all the memes we say about the Nuggets, and they deserve it because, you know, you got swept. Uh, they're really good. They, they are legitimately a very good team with Jamal Murray. Yeah. If you... Like I'm not I'm not saying matchup wise. If you want the Suns to meet up with a team in the playoffs, who would you want that to be? If I like, want the Suns to meet up with a team in the playoffs, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's give us the first seed and we go against the Grizzlies. <laughs> <laughs> or are you talking about like later rounds? Like there's, yeah, I mean that's, that's matchup related. Related. I'm just talking about like your personal. Who do you want to see the Suns beat, or you know at least have a chance to beat? Because in my mind, I'm still thinking about Utah. Like I would Utah, love to see. And the, or are even you, the Mavs Suns, to an a extent. Suns, yeah, I, I think the Mavs are going to be good this year. I, I've said in the past, I think the Mavs are like my sleeper third or fourth seed. Um, the Utah is interesting. I think that would be a really validating win for Suns fans if it was yeah. healthy on both sides. And I think you made a really good point just on Mark's pod the other day. Utah doesn't have any young players. They've got Donovan Mitchell, who's older than Devin Booker. And, you know, like they've got, they've got guys who are it's kind of struggling at this point you know joe ingles was still really good last season but they're not it getting kind of, better yeah you know? <laughs> they shouldn't it, it yeah. kind of, you know mike mike conley's body is starting to fail on him a little bit just a little bit um joe ingles i kind of feel like the drop's coming any year like he's yeah. he's kind of such an outlier player and what he's able to do without any athleticism whatsoever yeah. but like i mean bogdanovich too to an extent there's only so deep into your 30s that you can do that and yeah. You know, they're not getting better. The Suns should get better. The Jazz should not get better. It's really well, as simple as that. I'll tell you, I think that to an extent, uh, both Dallas and Utah are counting on the same things, and that's their best player elevating them to the best possible team they could be. Yeah. And for for Utah, that's Donovan Mitchell, who I think at some point, it's a it's a trailblazers situation. How happy will he be with a team that continually just, just runs into a wall at the end of the season and has no real path to improving? Um, and with Dallas... I think you can say KP could be better, and he could, but how how much can you rely on the health of someone that's continually no, injured every year? Um, yeah. My, my they're faith. Entirely, they're, and look, it's entirely based on Luka Doncic being great, and that's a good thing say, to say. Yeah. That you know, That's a good reason to, to rely on that. Uh, I've more or less given up on KP, dude. My faith in the Mavericks is entirely related to Luka like having his breakout breakout season like 30, 10, and 10. Or, I mean, he's basically already done that, but you know what I mean? It's not KP related whatsoever. Yeah. And yeah, look, I've said it. I've said it on Twitter. There's a reason that no player with a usage rate as high as Luka Doncic has ever run it, won a title. You can't rely on someone to do absolutely every single thing for your team. You need at some point another player to take some pressure off of Luka that's able to create for other people. Until they find that other player, um, I'm not as worried about them as as I would be, uh, you know, had they had that. But so it's it for me uh, one of those two teams would be fun to beat, and uh, you know any of these teams could could get improve or could improve dramatically by the end of the year. It's the, the Western last Conference, and it's scary. 
What's the what's your percent chance on an implosion, a full scale trade deadline implosion that leads to either a, a Dame Lillard trade or a Carl Anthony Towns trade? Ah. Either I mean, one. I would say that Portland is very likely. <laughs> I would rate that one high. Uh Carl Anthony Towns, I hadn't thought about it. It's actually kind of interesting because that team's kind of all over the place. They have young talent. They have Carl Anthony Towns who has to be a little bit frustrated, but maybe if it's just going to be happy being healthy. If you dig deep into the Timberwolves, you realize it's not just Anthony Edwards. Honestly, they have a lot of young players who I think are going to be really good four years from now. The problem is Carl <laughs> Anthony Towns doesn't have that time anymore. He's, yeah. you know, a six. He's going into year seven. And he does everybody, not have that time. everybody blames him. Like at some point, it, yeah, it's, it's got to become frustrating for him to realize that people are no longer appreciating the things that he's good at. This is a pet peeve of mine in general with NBA players. Just appreciate the things they're good at. And every single time people talk about players that aren't on the team that they root for, they only want to talk about the things that they're bad at. He's good at so, so many things, and he's never really been in an environment that could help him out with the things that he's bad at. So, like, for him, I don't know. It's got to be frustrating at some point. And if, they, and if they're really bad close to the trade deadline, like, how much... How much is he going to love Minnesota at that point? I, it's interesting. Um, but those two teams blowing up, uh, do they, does that pose any sort of threat to the to the Suns? I'm not sure. Like maybe if the Clippers find a way to get Damian Lillard or something, that's terrifying. Uh, you know, or the Lakers even find a way to get Damian Lillard, that's terrifying. But uh, I'm not sure that those guys are going to stay in the Western yeah, Conference. Yeah, I think. I, yeah. I, I think those teams aren't necessarily the ones that have the most assets. It's interesting because it's like Philly obviously is interested in all these guys. They always are. Dame's going to get traded where he wants to get traded, I think. like Portland Exactly. Owes, which is, Portland which owes is, him a solid. Which is why I felt like I had to ask the question. But honestly, if you ask me, those types of moves are much more likely to be made in the offseason. So I don't think it's actually likely to, to happen as an in-season thing. Yeah. It would be fairly unprecedented to happen at the deadline the deadline type moves tend to be more like the the aaron gordon trades and mm -hmm. whatever you know like yeah. you can get a starting caliber player to to stock up but all i'm saying is damian lillard has that trade request email in his drafts like it's ready if it's Look, all all i'm saying is technically if both of those guys wanted out by mid-season does OKC not have enough picks to maybe go out and get both of them and pair them next to shea and is that not a really fucking terrifying oh, possibility wow that's fascinating. I love. They that. have a million <laughs> picks. Yeah, I haven't thought about how the 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 Shane money. Shane Carl work. Anthony Towns is like whoo. Uh, well, imagine a Dame. That's that's like actually like I'm gonna go into my league right now on 2K and maybe make that team of <laughs> Dame, Shay, and Cat simulate a 71 season. Anyway, let me ask. I think you this we can about we wrap up. Yeah. Who is the player you're most excited to watch on the Phoenix Suns this year? Mm, that's, that's so cliche. Mikhail Bridges. Yeah. I'm gonna I say, really, I'm I gonna really say Chris think so. Paul. Okay, I just—it's so fun to watch Chris Paul, man. He's appreciate remarkable. him, appreciate him while he's, he's remarkable. still here. Yeah. Uh, all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you're interested in an extra podcast every week, check out Patreon.com/slash/Timeline. You can sign up there, pay a little bit of money to us every month, uh, get some extra content from us. We have very, very, very exciting stuff coming on that Patreon very soon that we're not allowed to tell you about yet. But if you're interested, mm. go ahead and sign up there. I'm very excited about it. I know Sam's very excited about it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Our next episode, we'll be talking, well, maybe, we'll be talking about NBA basketball. It's possible we'll be back to talk about contracts very soon, depending on what happens. We appreciate all of you, and go Sun.
Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.